0: But we're going to get into the word of the Lord. Be in prayer for Sister Krista. I just received word that she's got symptoms and going to be tested today. So it's spreading through that family pretty bad. Acts chapter 27 verse 13 The Lord gave me this message last week, and I came too sick to preach it. The Lord knows all things. And then I began to seek him about today, and the Lord said, speak on this subject. And when the wind, south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose Loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euryclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship." For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Another book that you don't hear preached out of very often is the book of Nahum. Nahum chapter 1, verse 1. Nahum 1, 1. The burden of Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserveth wrath. For his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Paying strict attention to that last heart of verse three, it says, the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. With the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to speak on this subject. It came with the storm. It came with the storm. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy that endures forever. God, Lord, you know all things. You know everything from the beginning there is to the end. We ask, oh Lord, God, that you would move in the remainder of this service Speak to our hearts, O oh Lord. Let your perfect will be accomplished in this service today. Help us, Lord God, and minister to each one that is assembled and gathered here today. O oh Lord God, I give you praise and honor for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you shall do in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Storms, not something that anyone looks forward to. It seems as though that storms have a negative connotation in our thinking. Because storms are not like just a little bit of rain, but rather they come and they cause havoc. Havoc. A storm may bring sharp and heavy winds that may bring down trees and cause damage, power lines, and then you get to enjoy pioneer days. Storms can cause things to be disrupted. Normal flow of life comes to a standstill as Mother Nature reminds us. She has great power. Pardon me if I hack and I cough a little bit. Amen. Storms are not something that we look forward to, but rather it is something that we, as using a, a Texas terminology, we just hunker down. I remember when the hurricane came through back, I believe it was Ike back in Batson, 2008, I believe it was Ike. And of course, Batson is only about 45 miles or so from the coastline as the crow flies, something like that, 60 miles maybe. And so we began to prepare, and had really no idea what to expect. In fact, we chose to flee to Louisiana. Uh, her mother and father were still her mother was still alive at that time, so we moved over, went over there. But as uh, soon as the roads were clear, we made our way back. And I'll never forget coming back over the cross of the state line over the Sabine River. It looked like a war zone. And uh, we drove very carefully home. And if you've ever been to Batson, the church actually sits in a pecan orchard. Uh, There's an old pecan orchard, probably 100, 150 years old, that was once planted all in that area. And uh, so the church purchased some of that land. And so there were several uh, pecan trees, probably seventy-five, hundred fifty years old, something of that nature. And when we pulled up into the church parking lot, of course, all the pecans, there a good many of them, I believe there was nine that were down They're just in the general church parking lot. Nine or 12, I can't recall, but it was very large pecan trees. Everything was down And, of course, we had to eat the good old MREs. Don't you anybody know anything about those meals ready to eat? Those are fun. Oh, they're fun. They're lots of fun. Uh, And, of course, the Red Cross and what others would bring water into the community, and we were grateful. We were only, I think, about 10 days uh, without any power and uh, such like. But it was a devastation. I remember afterwards, we drove down to the Bolivar Peninsula, which is actually where the eye come through, or actually the dirty side of the eye came through. And it, there, were, there were cars on top of houses. I never seen nothing like it. it. It was just unbelievable. I thought it had been bad in Batson, but of course, that was, only, that was a, an hour in after a lot of trees slowed down the power but there, there was uh, cars. It looked like some kid come along, just dumped, them all, just dumped them all upside down and shook them up and threw them everywhere they wanted them to go. Cars were just laying upside down, like I said, on top of houses and everything else. And it stayed that way for probably a good two years before they were able to come down there and clean all of that up. But storms come, and a lot of times you can't predict when they're going to come. You might know when they're just about upon you, But sometimes you cannot always predict That they're going to come We find in the book of Acts That Paul was uh, in the ship And the writer of course was Luke And he was giving us an understanding Of what was happening As they were making their way toward Rome And uh, while they're making their way (coughs) Excuse me uh, He's the Lord began to speak unto Paul to uh, let them know that they don't need to go past a certain point. But yet they ignored these, these uh, warnings. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. They ignored these warnings and they went on. And so there became a great storm that began to befall those on that ship. And as the wind began to blow and the uh, storm began to pick up, the Bible, uh, we find where that Luke describes it as a strong wind called Euryclidon. They named the storm a A and a uricleidon is a, from the best that I can study, is a northeasterner wind that has typhoon or hurricane-like winds that come against that ship. And so imagine yourself being in a ship out in the middle of the Mediterranean, on your way to Rome, and then suddenly here comes a hurricane like wind that begins to blow against your ship. The Bible says that when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we said we just let her dry. What nothing we could do, we have no control over the ship now. Well, no matter what they tried to do, the storm was pushing them a certain way and there was nothing they could do but just let the ship drive. There was no control to back it up or to go back where they came from, but it was a one-way trip that the storm was taking them in a direction that they had no control over. Oftentimes, trouble comes our way in much the same manner. One day, all is well, and the south wind is blowing softly, even as Luke wrote here earlier in this same chapter. Everything's looking good. It's looking all right. I think we'll be fine. And then suddenly from out of nowhere there comes a storm. There comes something that begins to blow against our life and begins to change the direction that we would prefer to go. And so we find ourselves in an uncontrollable situation. And we are now in a storm. And we cannot hear the voice of the Lord. We cannot feel the presence of the Lord anymore. All that we feel is the winds howling against our ship and taking us in a place that did we did not plan to go. <coughs> I read to you in the book of Nahum, the prophet of the Lord, he begins to write. He said, God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. And then he says it a second time, the Lord revengeth. And is serious, the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. God takes things seriously when someone rises up against his purposes. And oftentimes we find ourselves as the children of the Lord in the crossfire between what God wants us to do and what the enemy is trying to drive us to do. And so we find ourselves in a place where we are in uh, what you would call a battle. It's a storm that is trying to change our direction and move us into an area that we cannot seem to understand. But I bring good news to you today that God is still large and in charge, and he will take care of his own. There are things about the storm that none of us will ever understand. There are things as to why that storms have to come. You know, why is it that in the physical realm that storms have to come? Couldn't just a gentle rain be enough? Why is it that sometimes there has to be a disruption where the hot and cold have a problem with each other And begin to cause a whirlwind and bring down a tornado upon you and wreak all kind of havoc and throw cars around like dolls, throw houses around like like toys, no problem whatsoever, and destroy all manner of property. (coughs) Doesn't make sense. Why does the storm come? Why? Lord must I endure the storm Lord why must the storm be upon me the psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 67 the psalmist made this observation about trouble he said one before I was afflicted I went astray but now I have kept thy word. Before I was afflicted, I was constantly wandering off, not doing what I was supposed to do. But after I was afflicted, now I've kept your word. Job, in Job 42 5, he said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye seeth thee. Job said these words after he had suffered the things in which he had, the loss of children, the loss of property, the loss of wealth, and even finding out that his friends were hypocrites. He even lost his wife in a sense. She, she no longer remained close, but now she was no longer the close confidant that she perhaps was before. And now Job stood alone and uh, he could not find God. He, he said, if I could only find him. He looked for him and could not find him and struggled and wondered, what in the world is God trying to do? I, I don't understand. He even cursed the day that he was born. wished he never been born. But somewhere through it all, God stepped in. God never gave answers. God never gave explanations. God never said, this is why I put you through what I put you through. God did not resurrect the children that had died. But yet at the end, there was something that was changed in Job. That he was able, first of all, to pray for his friends that had so misjudged him so terribly and caused him grief at the lowest point of his life. And that is when he said, Before I just heard about you. Before, I just I just heard about you. I, I read about it you in the Word and When I went to church, I heard about you and and all of that, but oh, now, now. Now that the storm has come and gone, now mine eye seeth thee. Oh, no man has seen the Lord at any time. So what was he saying? He said, I now see you more clearly. I, I see now what you're doing in my life more abundantly than ever before. I, I have somewhat of a, a little bit more of an understanding. It's like looking through a glass darkly. I, I can't quite make out everything, but yet still I see more than I could ever comprehend before. Before I just heard about you, but now I have knowledge of who you are. Right, <coughs> Amen. We come to back to the story in the book of Acts. Acts. In the text that we read to you, it was more or less almost the end of the story than the beginning. The story pretty much begins somewhere in the 20th chapter of Acts. If I can read my own handwriting, praise God. I believe it's verse 22, and Paul began to speak. He said, now I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I feel led of the Holy Ghost to be bound in the Spirit. He said, I go bound in the spirit. God has obligated me. I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to do just yet, but I've got to follow the will of God. May I remind you that the will of God is not always pleasant. We find where the Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem and It's not really something that I want to do. I'm going bound. I'm going against my own will. I'm going there, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. God, God told me where to go, but he didn't tell me what was going to happen when I got there. Sound familiar? Sometimes God moves on you to do certain things, but then he does not let you know of the outcome that is to follow or the storms that develop when you begin to obey God. Things begin to occur that you cannot explain. Things begin to happen and winds begin to howl as the opposition begins to push against you and you don't understand. All that you know is like Paul. All I heard was a voice telling me to go to Jerusalem. I didn't really want to go, but I'm going anyway. I'm going in obedience to the Spirit of God. I'm going bound, but I don't know what's going to befall me when I get there. Next chapter, 21. You can read it later if you'd like. It's verses 10 and 11. A prophet that comes by. His name is identified as Agabus. And Agabus comes trembling. And he does something very curious. you got to watch them preachers, they're strange sometimes. He bound Paul's clothing. He, he bound his own feet in Paul's clothing and he said that the Jews in Jerusalem would bind him in the same way. More sign that God was doing something that Paul could not understand. We find as... Acts begins to unfold as the chapters begin to roll forward. Paul then goes before Felix, the governor. Go thy way, Paul. At a more convenient season, the Bible says he trembled as he listened to Paul's testimony. God was doing something and Paul's discomfort was part of the plan. You see, even though he was not on the physical ship, yet his storm had already began. As he stood before Felix that day and he begins to proclaim his innocence and begins to tell of the story of how that he was found by God and Felix trembles, go thy way, Paul, in a more convenient season, I'll call for you, but unfortunately that convenient season never came. And then later it was Agrippa king. Agrippa came and Agrippa insisted on listening to him. He wanted to talk to him. He wanted to hear his story. And so Paul again begins to tell the story. And we find where Agrippa he says, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You almost got me there. I, 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 I'm hearing what you have to say, Paul, but I just, I, I'm not really sure just yet. Almost thou persuadest me. He said, Oh, would not that you would be almost, but altogether. Then his feet step onto the ship taking him to the destination he had appealed to Caesar. The storm begins to pick up after they leave Crete, but while the storm is howling, there's an angel standing at Paul's bedside. So don't you worry, Paul, it's gonna be all right. Don't be fearful. Don't worry about this storm that's going on right now. You'll find this in Acts 27, 24. Fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar you're not fall don't be afraid of the storm because you see the storm is not the end result of what i'm trying to do in your life the answer came with the storm you see the storm was merely a byproduct that God chose to use it was not the real reason and the real purpose in what Paul was all about but rather the storm brought about the answer the storm brought the answer and the answer came with the storm someone said "If God would only just give me an answer then perhaps it would be much better I declare unto you today that if you're in a storm and I believe in this last hour of the church that we now live in we have entered into a new phase I've never seen before we we may never see the end of COVID I don't know no one really knows for sure I I don't know the political climate is frightening at best to the Christian world in general It's it's a thing that I never thought I would see in our shores but now we're pacing it and we could face Great tribulation coming our way Storms can be on the horizon But yet I declare unto you today That the answer comes in the storm Don't fear the storm The media calls them storm chasers. People that love to get as close as they can. And they take all of their their electronic wizardry with them. Satellite vans and what have you to track these storms and get just as close as they can for the thrill of the moment of staring down the face Of an enormous storm coming right at them. That's not me. But by the same token, there needs to be an intestinal fortitude about us that when the storms do come, I don't go looking for the storm. The storm has a way of finding me. I'm not going to go looking for the storm. But when the storm does find me, I need to say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Oh, 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 oh come on, somebody. I'm not afraid of the storm. The storm may have to come, but if it comes, there'll be an answer, there'll be reasoning, there'll be calm somewhere. With the storm. Hallelujah. Can you love the Lord right now? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. One of my favorite preachers, his brother A.D. Spears. Don't hear much of him anymore. He's getting some age on him. but he preached a message many years ago that I I guess I shall never forget. <clears throat> uh, there is a message that he preached at Brother Tommy Craft's church in Jackson, Mississippi, where the Jackson College of Ministries used to exist. And he preached it there. You'll find it on YouTube if you'd like to hear the entirety of the message. <coughs> But just taking just a brief synopsis from that message, he said several years ago that his wife came down with a terminal illness, and no matter what they did, nothing seemed to help. He said, I had preachers call me from around the world and said, I've been in, in prayer, I've been in Fastings for you. I've been I've been alone in the office praying for you. But I can't seem to find a release. But I want you to know that God is with you. For the space, I believe he said a year or maybe two years, I don't recall, they endured this storm. And then there came a time when someone gave the answer. It was a dear lady. That uh, her husband, her daddy—excuse me, her son now pastors the church in Jackson. <clears throat> it's Brother Greg Fraser's mother, old Sister Fraser. She was on her way to Houston from Jackson, Mississippi. <clears throat> And apparently Brother Spears was in Beaumont at the time. And uh, she stopped by to see them. And this is what she had to say. This woman, you have to understand, Sister Frazier was a very unique woman. I never met her, but I've heard so many stories how the young people would come over to her house from Jackson College of Ministries. And when it came to time to pray over the food, it was not oh, Lord, bless this food, amen. She'd fall out talking in tongues. There'd be a, a wild prayer. And a long time before you got to eat. But this was a praying woman. But anyway, she told them, she said, I may not have the story 100% correct. I'm going by memory. You can, like I said, you can listen to it. It's an audio version of the message online. She told them, she said, the reason that Sister Spears is sick and you're in this storm is because your husband needs great faith for his ministry. From that, from that story, he said not long after that, God healed Sister Spears. And he said, I have seen more miracles in my ministry since that time. I've seen more great things happen in my life because of that storm that came to me. How do you feel about your storm now? Oh God, <clears throat> deliver me from the storm. And the Lord says, the answer comes with the storm. He won't suffer you more to, to bear more than you can handle. But will, with the temptation, make a, a way of escape, a door? There'll be, an, there'll be an escape hatch somewhere, but that doesn't mean you go around the storm. It means you go through the storm. I don't bring you anything earth-shattering today, and I'm closing. Please stand with me, Sister Misty, come on. But I want to say this, Paul, he started out, I'm going bound to Jerusalem, I don't know what's going to happen, I'm going bound in the spirit, and then he gets to Jerusalem, he sees dignitaries that don't seem to have any time for him, oh, you go your way, Paul, I'll talk to you later, some other time when it's convenient. Agrippa, you almost did the job, Paul. You almost, but I I got more important fish to fry. Then there's Agabus. You see how I'm binding these clothes to my feet? That's what they're going to do when you get there. Maybe Paul's wondering, you know, I've already heard where I'm supposed to go, and I just wish I had an answer. Brother Charles, the answer didn't come till he is in the ship, and when the ship is rocking and rolling in the sea, and it's groaning and creaking, and you can hear boards trying to burst. They've lost control of the ship. We had to just let her drive. Just step back. Sometimes that's what you have to do. You're fighting the wheel. You're wearing yourself out. Trying to fight that old wheel. I want it to go this way. And the Lord says, just leave it alone. I'll take care of it. Just let her drive. Somewhere in the back side of the ship, there's a man of God And he's listening as an angel of the Lord tells him, Don't you be afraid, Paul. You're going to be all right. You got to go see Caesar. It's my will that you go see Caesar. That was the answer in the storm. We want the answer but we're not willing to endure the storm to get it. Come on, somebody. Oh, I wish I could tell you that wonderful days are ahead, and they are. But I also want to warn you that we're getting close to the end of this thing. It's not going to get easier to serve God. It's going to get tougher. And the only way that you're going to be able to make it to the other side is to understand that the storm is your friend, that God rides on the ship with you. He's there. Oh, yes, he's right there. And the answer comes with a storm. I said it comes with the storm. Don't worry about the storm. Don't be afraid of the storm. Just hang on and understand that God is in control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just let's just worship the Lord right now.